hear your dog friend barking. Ugh, it's not even the one next door. It's everything is very annoying right now. Mm. Like I cannot handle the city in the middle of the summer. I want to strangle everyone. It's just like everyone's hot and cranky and the construction, the dogs, our elevator was broken for four days. Yeah, I'm sorry. Extremely hot and I drove the air conditioner too. Oh, no. Sorry. No, yeah, it's... it was very hot in here too, in this little closet. Yes. Mm. Mm. I put those carpet squares up, you know, for sound reasons, but I think it's also making it very warm and toasty in here. Oh, that'll be great in winter. Yeah, I know, right? All the animals are also, re- I think, rejecting the heat wave right now, and it's very irritable. <laughs> They're fussy. <laughs> yes. Same, same. Mm, emotionally reactive. Yes. <laughs> On topic. Oh, yep. Welcome to Semi-Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all of the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. As we learn to live with more calm, joy, and authenticity, we share takeaways from our research and experience that you can use too. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. Today we are talking about how to feel the feels, a topic we discuss often and is still a work in progress for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> Every darn day. <laughs> oh, yes. What an opportunity to practice. Oh, so many life opportunities. Yes, yes. the past year and really today and every day. <laughs> yep. So, yes, I tend to live in my head. And it's in just the last year that I've been paying more attention to the emotions that are happening in my body. And there are many. <laughs> and then let me <laughs> to manage them. So <sighs> I'm just going to take a deep breath. And before we get into today's topic, we just wanted to do a brief check-in. So, Joe, why don't you go first? Sure. So, as we mentioned in past episodes, I have been dealing with my cancer diagnosis since late January, and I've been feeling pretty good physically still, which is good. You know, minor side effects from the medication that I'm taking, and it's been a pretty good last month. You know, it's felt very busy, like almost like a normal July. We've had Mm -hmm. lots of travels and visitors and plans. And I think partially because of that, I've had longer stretches between some of those emotional dips or breakdowns. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, every few days, it's maybe once a week or once every 10 days, I have kind of a a meltdown and, and then smaller dips along the way. So that's been nice. Yeah. Is it is it a bigger meltdown because it's been longer or is it about the same? Sometimes. Yeah. It's probably better to have like the little releases along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the last few weeks, they haven't been a huge, you know, huge meltdowns, even mm-hmm. though it's been less frequent. It's been a fun, but also pretty tiring summer. Overall, I'm just very grateful to be able to do all these things with COVID, with cancer, with all these different things happening. Yeah. Um, and Next week, I have a bunch of oncology appointments, so it's a bit of a roller coaster. I've got Tuesday, my CT scan, and that happens every two months, and, you know, I feel anxious about it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wednesday is my birthday, which is great. Yay! Yay! Um, <laughs> Thursday, a really good friend is coming for a visit, and then Friday, I have my oncology appointment, so I hear about the results of the scans and all that stuff, so I'm kind of stealing myself for some very high highs and very low Mm -hmm. lows. I was going to say, an intense up and down week. Yes, yes. And this week has been pretty busy with with work and other plans, which is good to kind of keep me distracted a bit. But I know that next week is going to be pretty intense. Yeah, gosh. It seems like it goes from intense to intense. I was telling Dan, it seems like (laughs) stress on stress (laughs) by the side of stress. Yeah, I know. I'm like, isn't there supposed to be a break in there somewhere? Not just stress plus stress plus stress. I know. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) What about you, hon? What's going on with you? Yeah, I'm just feeling just wound up. I'm like trying to take deep breaths and I feel my anxiety and stress in my chest usually and it tightens around my heart and my lungs and it's hard to catch a full breath. So I have been working on that daily. And yeah, the big news here is that we are moving. We're moving out of state. Yeah, a lot of factors converged. You know, mom and dad were planning to move here to Jackson to retire and 
as that process was starting, the Supreme Court decisions have late happened mm-hmm. and things in red states, you know, are going to get interesting. So uh, we decided to kind of rework the plan, look in other places for possibilities. And also, you know, being closer to you is a big factor and having it be easier to visit back and forth because yeah, you know, we weren't amazing. able to see each other. Yeah, I know. So we, Darren and I went to explore the Albany, New York area because I'd been there for a conference before and, you know, New York has been really proactive in its protections. And it seems like it's really aligned with our values. And uh, the Albany area is the capital, just like Jackson is. Darren works with a lot of state agencies and is marketing. He'll keep his Mississippi clients and then hopes to get some up there as well. But anyway, we went for a week, loved the area, found a house. And we weren't expecting to find something. We did look at a couple houses. And yeah, we put an offer on it this week and it was accepted. So assuming all of it goes well with the inspections and all that, you know, there's like a million steps in between the actual closing, then we would close mid-September and then move up there in end of September. So that's like a month and a half, a month and a half away. Oh my gosh, it's so (laughs) exciting. And I'm sure overwhelming as well. Oh my gosh, it's both. It's both in like a large measure. We're still telling our friends here. So far, they've been family. Um, You know, Darren's parents live here. So that's really tough. They've all been so gracious and just, you know, sad, of course, Mm -hmm. but also like what's best for the family. I'm, you know, for you to come to New York City, it's sometimes like 250 or 300 bucks, right? Oh, yeah. They're amazing flights, especially in, you know, the off season. I mean, there are direct flights from Barcelona to New York and to Boston, which is not far from the area either. So yeah. it would be awesome. And it's like a short, you know, shortish two and a half hours Amtrak ride up mm-hmm. um, to where we are in the suburbs. So we were, we're jazzed. You know, the kids are taking it pretty well and have been selling his friends and it breaks my heart. But also we know it's the right thing to, you know, move before middle school sure. so he can adjust better. And they're both really adaptable, resilient. And I know it's going to be really good on the other side of it. It's just right now, we're just looking around at all of our clutter and the stuff we've accumulated. And we're like, how is this going to happen? So I'm like, I wish I could just maybe I'll just get one of those huge dumpsters and throw everything inside of it. And then it can, <laughs> we'll just start over and start a new life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just, just go with your backpack on the plane and forget everything you left behind. Oh my gosh, That's I know, a stage but... of the move, right? That's just a... <sighs> yes, we've been wanting and we've been purging slowly and organizing slowly and all that stuff. But now it's in high gear. Plus my trying to build up more clients and stuff for my business and possibly start a course this fall. It's, you know, moving is very expensive. And also I want to keep doing the business and growing it and managing the children, getting them in schools and mm-hmm. after school it's programs and all the things we've come to rely on here, like our wonderful pediatrician. And, you know, there's a list and I keep trying to make the full master list and Darren's like, let's just take it one step at a time. And I'm like, but I'm thinking about all the things I need to get them out of my head. So I'll just right. put them somewhere where Darren doesn't see and stress over them. Exactly. That's a good thing to know about. <laughs> Uh, does this help comfort you or stress you out? No, like the drawer pulls on our cabinets. He's like, that's really downstream from what we need to think about right now. <laughs> like moving our pets. Yeah. Pet, yeah. Pet relo- yeah, exactly. The alligator closes to the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Pet relocation services is something that um, oh. one of actually the first things I thought about. I'm like, how in the world are we going to get our three cats and dog up to New York? It's tw- it's like 20 hours driving, like 1300 miles away. Um, oh <laughs> so goodness. they have relocation services that will come and take them in little kennels and feed and water them and you know somehow get them in one piece um oh, i'm awesome. willing to pay for this so. yes oh that's wonderful <laughs> oh gosh so yeah lots to think about but we're also very excited it's very exciting i'm super excited for you guys this next chapter i'm sure it feels like there's a million things to do before then but yes. as you said on the other side it's such a great decision yeah. for you and your family and i'm Thank really excited you. to visit you more and- i know well in christmas in new york possibly so oh, that would be yes. really amazing yeah and hopefully a white christmas yes that's very <laughs> exciting i mean as california kids you didn't ever have that i'm still pretty charmed by it <laughs> I know, seriously. Yeah, the kids love snow, so that'll be it'll be fun until around you know February. I hear from the grown-ups right. that it gets a little miserable, but you know we'll deal with it. The, the summers here are terrible, so it's kind of like <laughs> which one do you want? Trade off, yes. And mild summer sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It was like 80 degrees more there, which was lovely because here in Mississippi it was like mm, upper 90s with full humidity, and Oof. I'm very much looking forward to that uh, change and very few mosquitoes, which <laughs> oh, they eat me alive. So that yes. nice change. Amazing. <laughs> so. Anyway, so the, today's topic is very relevant, how to feel <laughs> the feels. There's so many. All of them. <laughs> yes, with what's going on with you, what's going on with me. 
And we have talked in previous episodes about how important it is to feel it all, including the difficult emotions like shame and fear and disappointment. And I've realized in talking to my clients that a lot of people aren't aware of their emotions or the role they play in the way that they show up in the world. And even if they are aware, then they're often disconnected from their emotions, sometimes because of trauma, of how they were raised. Just in general, I think our culture is still waking up to the power of emotions. They're not like touchy-feely woo-woo. Like they actually power all of our actions. They are fuel for every human behavior. Right, exactly. It's not a nice to have to understand this. It's actually essential. (laughs) Yes, Yes, in every measure of your life. (laughs) Yes. So today we'll share some research on emotions and why they matter and discuss ways to grow your awareness and skill in regulating and processing your emotions and talk about our own experiences with learning to feel it all. So first of all, what are emotions? So according to Rachel Allen, PhD, emotions are real-time data sparked by sensations in the body. Technically, feelings and emotions are different. We'll probably use them interchangeably in this episode, but technically feelings can be more biased because they're altered by mental misconceptions or stories. They're influenced by our emotions, but are generated from our mental thoughts. So any sensory stimuli might spark an emotion. It could be fear when you see a spider in the house or anger when someone bumps into you. The feelings that arise from there depend on our thoughts about the stimulus. So you could worry that there are more spiders in the house. If there's (laughs) one, there's a thousand. (laughs) Exactly. Or, you know, if someone bumps into you and you realize it's a friend who's like trying to nudge and surprise you, you could be sheepish or delighted, you know, glad you didn't yell at them. (laughs) (laughs) So feelings interpret the emotion with our thoughts and our stories. And so Dr. Allen says that emotions are the raw data, a reaction to the present reality. Feelings interpret the emotion with thoughts and stories, not necessarily the truth of the situation. So why does it matter to our health, our relationship, and our overall experience of life to notice and feel our emotions? Because we really can improve our results in all of those areas. Because again, emotions are the fuel for any action, even when we don't perceive that to be true. And when we have clarity of mind and notice those emotions, we can shift from the ones that shut us down, like shame, or cause us to lash out, like anger, into emotions that motivate thoughtful action, like curiosity or willingness or determination, so we can accomplish our goals and build better relationships. So we can honor whatever's there and then choose our thoughts to move into emotions that serve us better, that motivate us to more productive action. So we can learn to move from fight, flight, or freeze mode and start defaulting to rest and digest and tend and befriend modes when our bodies are calm, when we're socially engaged and open. And this helps us show up as our true selves, connecting and communicating authentically with others. And by tuning into our emotions, we can see what's really going on and what our stories are about it. And then we can choose our responses more skillfully and make better decisions for ourselves. Yes, I tend to have a habit of repressing uncomfortable emotions and then Mm. having them just bubble up and spill over when I don't want them to. (laughs) Yeah, and research backs that up, that like they come out more intensely and aggressively, like when that happens. (laughs) Yeah, anecdotally, I can uh, confirm that. Um, (laughs) And awareness is the first step. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. And I can also overreact to small annoyances. Well, there's one going on right now with the dogs in our neighborhood just barking their heads off, which I apologize if y'all can here Ah, and there's nothing I can do about that so being enraged about it is not helping my mood um Mm -hmm. or you you know pull in a lane from Seinfeld and capture the dog (laughs) into the cover of night and drive it away to somewhere oh (laughs) the times I have thought about this (laughs) (laughs) the number of times yes and you know feeling outraged when a stranger is inconsiderate on the metro which happens literally every day Mm -hmm. there's you know Mm -hmm. someone manspreading or there's someone so triggering to me too I know. I'm like, being considerate is such an important value for me, and you're being rude. And it spins me into this whole, you know, this whole narrative that people are not respecting me and my boundaries, and it becomes this whole thing. (laughs) Well, for me, I'm like, humans are terrible. People are awful. (laughs) People are the worst. It's something I say all the time, which is not super healthy. Yeah. Uh, I have just really started thinking in the last couple of years, as I've done more therapy and, and being coached, just about how emotions are so important to pay attention to and how I live so much in my head and dropping into my body and just experiencing those sensations can give me information just about like what's really going on. 
being able to name those emotions where they are, what they're like, and pay attention and also just address them with compassion. It just takes a lot of practice because my nervous system has always been highly sensitive, wired for reactivity, and then pessimism and worry and anger. I was kind of an anxious kid, easily stressed, and I think my body's just so used to having those chemicals flowing and especially powering action at the last minute, being an ADHDer in an urgent and chaotic state. So working on soothing my overly reactive nervous system at will and building new neural pathways that slow my reactions down is something I've been working on every day, and especially with the kids, because they are also very reactive and have the same <laughs> kinds of nervous systems. And so, and they also know how to push my buttons. We all have RSD, you know, the rejection sensitive dysphoria uh, that a lot of ADHDers have with you know, perceived rejection, criticism, failure, and then get very either sh- into shame or rage very quickly mm-hmm. and very intensely. So, I am learning to take space. I did this several times this week and just cocooned in my bed with classical music, cried it out, and then was able to recover and come back and join the family, which that was an improvement because <laughs> yeah. usually it's the, I'm, the rest of the night I'm done. And using a practice called RAIN that we'll go into, we've talked about in a previous episode that a meditation teacher, Tara Brock, uses. I've been using that every day to calm my body and get my thinking brain back. And just having that tool as my go-to has been super useful. That's great. Yes. As we're revisiting the RAIN process, I'm like, oh, this would be helpful for me too. Yes. (laughs) So good. So how do we learn to feel our feelings? It takes a lot of practice first, but awareness, as we've said, is the first step. And also normalizing the range of human emotions. And we've tried to do that in various episodes of the podcast, like reading The Guest House by Rumi, which we can link to again. It really illustrates what we're talking about here. You know, watching Pixar's Inside Out with all the emotions personified and illustrated, kind of the basic emotions. But some emotions are uncomfortable, unwelcome, challenging, but we don't love the term negative emotion because it labels them as bad and we might judge them, avoid them, repress them, rage against them when they really are a part of the human experience. And clinical psychologist Nicole LaPera, author of How to Do the Work, writes on Instagram that most people experience emotions by feeling it and then reacting to it or distracting themselves or suppressing it. And few adults have the ability to let their emotions guide them and teach them because they were modeled one of those ways to respond to emotion by their parents when they were children. And so teaching the next generation is something that we parents or teachers or anyone who spends time with children can do. And so when people ask her how to get in touch with their intuition, she says that first you've got to get in touch with your emotions because often those cloud your intuition or your Buddha nature, the God within, whatever wiser part of yourself is there deep within. And so getting quiet and still and observing what's there. Nicola Perez says emotions is derived from a Latin word that literally means energy in motion. She mm-hmm. says, I view emotions as energy and teach my clients to do the same. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. thought that was interesting. I never yeah. heard that before. It makes sense. Yeah. And again, like that energy has to go somewhere. So yeah, you've got to do something with that. And it can be helpful, not helpful. But when you start to observe your emotions instead of react to them, she says, you'll be shocked to see how they shift, how many times they shift in one day about your job, your partner, the world. Emotional energy runs through our day. It shifts and changes. By seeing how often it changes, you understand that you don't need to react to each emotion. They come and go. That's how energy flows. She says, observe your emotions, create space between you and your response. Learn from what you're feeling because it has an important message. With space between your emotions, they no longer trap you into habitual reactivity or habitual avoidance. They become your guide. You become the student. I love that. I feel like I'm still learning all of these things as, you know, mm-hmm. deep into my 30s, right? Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an ongoing life practice, but hopefully we're evolving on that rising spiral. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And it's true that, you know, like, when I experience an emotion, it doesn't have to define my entire day. You know, mm-hmm. like, it can come and go, it can be a brief thing, but actually feeling it 
is part of that process. Mm -hmm. And I'm still rewriting those narratives of good and bad emotions as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much of it is being socialized as a girl growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, that you were not allowed Mm -hmm. to have emotions like anger, um, Mm -hmm. things like that, but also just not apologizing for feeling this normal range of human emotions. Totally. You know, like I still, even when I have a very legitimate reason to be upset, I'll still be like, I'm sorry for when I'm crying, you know, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) or feeling. (laughs) Which is something very normal as a human being, especially when circumstances are so stressful. Exactly. Like this is a normal reaction to what's happening. That's an appropriate reaction. (laughs) Yes. Right. Exactly. Like I would be more worried about someone if they weren't, you know, crying sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when people say that they, they don't cry or can't cry, my heart hurts so much because that means they're, they're disconnected from their emotions. They're dissociated. Yeah. It's a release. And you know, some people are more criers than others and I get that, but Mm -hmm. um, it is part of the human response. And there are times where I feel like I've overreacted, even though I was justifiably angry or upset about something, you know, I'm not allowing myself to feel those emotions that I've labeled bad. And, you know, I've learned in coaching that emotions are not problems to be solved, they're experiences to be had, and then they're not a problem in and of themselves to feel, to express, but it's just when we act from them, especially without thinking, you know, acting from anger versus like letting your anger be there, dissipate, and then from a place of grounded knowing or calm, then responding and you can express it but it comes out much more productively that way yeah of course you are feeling anger you are feeling sadness like that is just the reality of it but what you do with that that's a choice that's a different thing but exactly you know judging or avoiding these things really doesn't serve me in the long run totally yeah and articulating the emotions is something like just narrating what's going on, closing my eyes. And like I've said in previous episodes with my children, like, <laughs> mama's getting upset. I'm getting <laughs> very angry. And the thing is, they also have this anxiety about being in rooms by themselves, even though our house is very safe. And so when I try to leave, I think I'm going to take space. They, mommy, 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 no. And they like come after me. And I'm just like, I'm trying to take space, respect my boundaries, you know. Right. So, yeah, even articulating to Darren the other day, I'm in shame right now. I did not get the things done that I wanted to and I'm cocooning in my bed Mm -hmm. you know just covers over my head but it helps because just articulating it and having a witness who's compassionate you know it dissolves some of that shame but telling the kids that it's okay to have big feelings and asking you know how they're feeling helping them tune into what's going on in their bodies even if they can't know exactly what it if it's anxiety or worry or whatever just like okay my heart's beating really fast we say your motor's running fast you just put your hand on your heart and then co-regulating with them, which is just both helping each other find calm and self-soothe. I have a, a blood pressure monitor on my Fitbit. I'm sure you do too, but I've oh, been yes. looking at it a lot lately and, and noticing how when I do breath work and showing the kids too, my uh, BPM, these per minute, goes down. Like it starts mm. at 97 and then it goes down slowly to 73 or so. And they see that with those techniques, that biofeedback shows them that they can also do that. Yeah, I mean, what a great gift to be able to learn how to do that at that age, to have those tools and be able to self-soothe and regulate your emotions and recognize those emotions. That's amazing. (sighs) Seriously, we'll probably re-sign up at some point for the Mightier video game console because Mm. it has these games where they intentionally frustrate you and you wear a blood pressure monitor. It's for kids and then the parents can do it too. But once your blood pressure goes up too high, like the screen clouds over with red and you have to do calming techniques to get it back down and then it clears and then it's blue again and then you get to play it's really wonderful that's amazing uh, i (laughs) I know evan would not play it before i mean he liked it at first and then the novelty wore off but we're gonna do it together and that'll be like our special time together so mama can learn as well yes (laughs) wow way to gamify something like that that's great (laughs) seriously And another way to feel our feelings is to gain emotional vocabulary to name what's going on. Lisa Feldman Barrett, neuroscientist and professor of psychology at Northeastern University, coined the term emotional granularity, which we've mentioned in past episodes, to describe when people experience finely tuned feelings, and she has researched emotions for decades. Barrett writes, One of the best things you can do for your emotional health is to beef up your concepts of emotions. Suppose you only knew two emotion concepts feeling awesome, and feeling crappy. Whenever you experienced an emotion or perceived someone as emotional, you'd categorize only with this broad brush, which isn't very emotionally intelligent. But if you could distinguish finer meanings within awesome, 
happy, content, thrilled, relaxed, joyful, hopeful, inspired, prideful, adoring, grateful, blissful, and Fifty Shades of Crappy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a book I want to (laughs) read. Exactly. It's a follow-up that we're all waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) It's after the the honeymoon phase wears off. (laughs) Reality sinks in. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Fifty Shades of Crappy. Angry, aggravated, alarmed, spiteful, grumpy, remorseful, gloomy, mortified, uneasy, dread-ridden, resentful, afraid, envious, woeful, melancholy. Your brain would have many more options for predicting, categorizing, and perceiving emotions, providing you with the tools for more flexible and useful responses. You could predict and categorize your sensations more efficiently and better suit your actions to your environment. Ooh, that's good. I know. I love dread-ridden. That's a good one. I know. Those are all very fun words, you know? I know. Woeful. I'm like, seriously, what's so funny is we have a an emotions wheel pillow. We'll link to this emotions wheel that's yes. used in therapy often, but it categorizes. It has, like, kind of sections, if you can imagine, you know, circle, and then it has little pie wedges that represent kind of a class of emotions, like kind of joy and sadness, et cetera. You know, we got the pillow so Evan and I could improve our emotional vocabulary, and then Avery is just learning to read. And then one time he was upset with me, and he grabbed the pillow, and he's just like, I am disappointed. <laughs> aggravated, you know, all these things. And I was like, well, you're using the words appropriately. But right. <laughs> I'm revolted. <laughs> I'm disgusted mm. using those tools against you. <laughs> I know. Clever. Yep, that's on brand. <laughs> and research has shown that emotional granularity has a lot of short and long-term health benefits, which I found fascinating, mm-hmm. um, including being more agile at regulating emotions and more engaged in the coping process has you going to the doctor and using medication less frequently, spending fewer days hospitalized for illness. For example, cancer patients have lower levels of harmful inflammation when they more frequently categorize, label, and understand their emotions. Oh, wow. I know, right? And being less likely to self-distract or drink excessively when stressed and less likely to retaliate against someone who has hurt them, which is great for those of us who like revenge and comeuppance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And responding less automatically to situations, more likely to think through options before acting. So wow, yeah, I wasn't familiar with some of those. That's yeah, really, me neither. Uh, yeah, the the vengefulness is something that Evan can get into. Yeah, it comes by it honest. With, um, <laughs> <laughs> Apple doesn't fall far. Um, but yeah, I mean, if really studying that pillow and practicing maybe with games and stuff in a calm moment would help him. Yeah, um, I love that. Not be so vengeful. And then um, yeah, with the cancer patients, goodness, that's really amazing about the inflammation. I know. I was just reading that earlier, and I'm like, wow, that's more motivation to work on my emotional granularity and vocabulary yeah seriously well then you know what you need because it can yes. be so different for each one so yes I and with my poor working memory sometimes I see these lists of emotions and my brain just goes like nope can't remember all those <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I'll just go through Alice of the Heart slowly and try to internalize because 87 is a lot of emotions it's a lot it is and I think it's great to have a visual cue like the pillow or the printed out list from Atlas of the mm-hmm. Heart or because yeah even though we are writers we talk about emotions a lot we write lots of different synonyms for for emotions <laughs> it's still hard to remember with granularity yeah and when they're categorized and like just bucketed into similar emotions that's really helpful and yes. the, the pillow is color-coded so that is really great and beautiful it's not so overwhelming yes yeah so the last few years and especially the last six months since the diagnosis have just felt like this intense crash course on coping with these complex and overlapping emotions. You know, it's not like I just have one at one time, you know, it's like you have 45 (laughs) emotions in one moment. (laughs) I know. Well, and Inside Out, remember, like the board when Riley, you know, we talked about this Pixar movie Mm -hmm. and this girl is becoming, she's like hitting puberty or whatever. But at the end, she has this like board of many, many emotions and not just the fear, anger, disgust, mm-hmm. joy, sadness, you know, the basic ones that she started with and her memories start having like a blend and swirl of different emotions in them. And yeah, just noticing that is helpful. And also then feeling that is challenging. It is. It's a lot. I mean, I do like the idea that the complexity, I mean, it, it lends to deeper experiences and it can enhance your life in a lot of ways, but it can also be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first instinct, as I've mentioned, is often to avoid or mask 
tougher emotions Mm -hmm. or find distractions or just anything to avoid actually like feeling them and dealing with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've grudgingly accepted through this work (laughs) that it only makes it harder in the long run if I run from them. They'll they'll find me. They'll come out eventually. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) One of my clients is a seven and she said that there was something hard that happened and she's like, let's go to Ikea. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought was amazing. And then you're just like trying to like test the mattresses and stuff. And they're like, oh no, my emotions are finding me like (laughs) under the desk. (laughs) They followed us here. (laughs) I feel that way all the time. Like trying to outpace them. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And the, the intertwining of emotions, you know, the complexity of these things has really surprised me recently, especially with grief and joy. Um, Mm. they are really two sides of the same coin for me right now. And, you know, other related emotions too get mixed in there, like sadness and disappointment and despair and anger, but then also connection and contentment and gratitude and love. I've mentioned how much I love this Mary Oliver poem before in our episode 66, Mm. Poetry That Helps Us Feel It All. But I think of it really often. It's, we shake with joy, we shake with grief. What a time they have, these two housed as they are in the same body. It's so beautiful. It is. And it's just, I mean, it feels very, very true right now. Like Brian and I went to Naples, Italy last week, um, Mm -hmm. which was wonderful. You know, we had lived there before we moved to Barcelona and we have so many happy memories there. And I hadn't been since before the pandemic. So summer 2019 was the last time I'd been. Mm, Yeah. So, you know, revisiting this place that we love. And we took a couple of days before Brian had some Navy work. We went to Ischia, Mm. which is this magical, happiest place on Earth island very close to Naples. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It is so beautiful. There's like thermal spas and really good food and wine and all this stuff. It's an hour ferry ride Mm. from Naples. And so we, it's awesome. And I want to go yearly. Um, (laughs) But we used to go there often and we have all these wonderful memories there and we stayed at a hotel with a terrace looking over the sea and we're you know at golden hour drinking wine and watching the sunset and it was just this beautiful moment just so I was so full of joy and love and gratitude Mm -hmm. and then the next minute I was weeping you know it was just yeah it was just a lot you know it's like a lot of emotion at once yeah because you get hit with this this wave of of grief and worry and fear and uncertainty and all these other things that that follow that that moment of joy right and yeah yeah, I'm not sure why I'm surprised by it now it happens pretty often but (laughs) I'm still I mean the awareness of that and being able to sit with that I mean that is huge progress it is especially for yeah I mean for a seven (laughs) and and like you're moving up the levels of development it's true (laughs) thank you yes and so it was I still had this moment where I was like I've, I hated that I felt like I was like ruining this wonderful moment we were having mm. by by getting sad and like making not making Brian sad but like you know mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. yeah sure all these things that we we're both sorry let me take a minute I'm getting yeah, emotional yeah, I know it's okay oh, stupid emotions go. I know, I know. <laughs> even as we do this emotional episode I'm like go away get out of here <laughs> these are bad I didn't ask for this scram <laughs> No one invited you. Sadness. Okay. <laughs> Go on, get. <laughs> Go on now. I'm like a little spray bottle. No, <laughs> right. I feel like I, for good times, I want that to be pure and unadulterated. You know, I don't want it to be affected by by grief or anything complicated. But that's not the way it works a lot of the time. Yeah. You know. Well, joy, as Brene says, is the most vulnerable emotion because then we're just immediately worried that it's going to go away and we're not going to stop feeling the joy. Just like, exactly. no, just like, just savor it. Don't cling to it. Just root into it. <laughs> and I'm like clinging very tightly to it. <laughs> yeah, like nails digging into the joy. <laughs> you can't get away. Yeah. And so, but it was a good, it was a good experience. You know, like I was able to cry a little bit. I laughed a little bit. We, you know, finished our wine, got to just revel in the beauty of this place and this moment and then asked for some some snugs from brian and got some (laughs) got some hugs and then you know like washed my face we went to dinner we had a really lovely evening it didn't derail the entire day it was just it was a feeling it was an emotion and had to kind of let it run its course yeah gosh sometimes it's just so big it feels like 
it's a lot to hold. Exactly. <laughs> um, like yours. And then if you expand it to other people, like your loved ones. And then like I always start thinking about bigger, just like, and what about the children? You know, like, <laughs> oh, I my know. gosh. But <sighs> in Buddhism, there's a metaphor of emotions, like thinking about their shape and how big they are in your body. And then just expanding space to hold them as if, you know, it's like a few drops of dye in a cup will color the water completely that color but a few drops in the ocean you won't you know just dissipate mm-hmm. um and just like with emotions if you just hold and open a bigger and bigger space for them then they can be there without taking over your whole experience and derailing your day and creating all those stories or you know getting swept away by the stories anyway even if they come up right but yeah some some days I just feel so much I don't quite know what to do with that sometimes especially when I'm underslept it really just like the capacity to manage it yeah but getting outside of your own head helps Mm -hmm. I mean Pema Jodwin says you are the sky everything else is just the weather and I love that beautiful yes just like sitting back and observing I kind of think like almost like an out-of-body experience sometimes in a sort of in a conscious way where you're just like Tara Brock talks about it as if you were watching a movie of your emotions and being triggered and then kind of freezing the frame at the place where you're most activated Mm -hmm. and then just noticing what's going on there and so that awareness then you can start just it's called affect tolerance so being affect being emotions and just being able to be with it. And the question is, you know, can I let this be? Can I be with it? And sometimes, sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like, right like yesterday, the other day, I was like, I'm going to eat right out of the carton this ice cream. <laughs> like, yes. I'm going to finish it off. Do I want to do this? Will it make me feel better? Yes. It will. You know, and sometimes that's okay. You're like yeah. consciously doing that to make yourself brought feel me joy. <laughs> Support this. So, yes. Yeah, I know. And my emotions have been very big and I've been very sensitive for my whole life. Um, and now I know why ADHD has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very sensitive and like both, I mean, our senses are heightened mm-hmm. and we take in a lot of sensory inputs and have a hard time sorting them all out. And so we do get overwhelmed easily and our emotions are intense. They, we, you know, again, live in a bigger amplitude. Uh, if you think of sound waves, just higher highs and lower lows. And then... In high school, went through depression. You know, I've had since then, since puberty, really, and that's like the onset of ADHD symptoms a lot. I've dealt with anxiety and depression, and I think I have such a strong sense of justice that when I feel like I've been wronged in some way, like I'm trying so hard, I'm doing the right thing, that I get really angry when like my kids are rude to me on my birthday, for example, oh. real life story. Yeah, <laughs> um, tell me I'm I'm only thinking of myself as. <laughs> what Avery told me on my birthday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> because we wouldn't go get Froyo, and I wanted to get pastries instead. The audacity, so. Malia. The know. audacity. Oh, God. Yeah, you have to laugh, but also uh, rage. Right. <laughs> yeah, so just realizing, okay, well, this is what's happening. I mean, that's the acceptance part of it, and then the compassion. You know, the mindfulness. Tara Brock says that awakening can be represented as a bird with two wings, mindfulness on one side and compassion on the other. And the bird can't fly without both wings Mm. present. And so, yeah, the mindfulness of observing, I've been slowing down is really the key. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah, we could could just prevent or solve 90% of our problems if we could slow down and just look at what's going on and choose our response and look or identify the problem, solve the problem instead Mm -hmm. of spinning out into drama. But it happens so fast. And so I've been learning to take a pause, practice the pause. Mm to breathe, to narrate what's going on, to take space when I feel flooded because that does happen very quickly. And on my better days, I'm able to regulate my emotions. And then when the volcano doesn't explode, it's just I can take the lava back down. But when it does, you you mean physiologically need around 20 minutes of doing nothing to get your body back out of fight, flight, or freeze mode. But thinking about that, just that my body perceives that it's being chased by a hungry lion Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, a lot of the day. And so, like, watching my blood pressure on my Fitbit and noticing when that's happening, noticing my chest clench, my breathing shallow, and just being like, okay, you got to stop everything right now and just get your brain back. Yeah. Find emotional safety in your body 
calm your nervous system. And every time we do that, or at least like get closer to doing that, take your blood pressure down a little bit. We're just building those new neural pathways and teaching our nervous system to soothe itself and like the mind telling it it's okay like there's no lion like we're just trying to figure out how to plan this birthday party for your kid you know? <laughs> like, will there be lions at the birthday lot. party though? i know gosh <laughs> yes yeah, gladiator experience <laughs> kids love it i mean it's just great that you you're practicing that instead of doing what i often do is just like powering through and keep doing what you've been <laughs> doing and that <laughs> you know keep your blood pressure high and oh my that, gosh well we want to, when we're anxious and like feel urgent or behind on work or whatever we just like want to keep going into action and mm-hmm. doing more and doing faster and then it's actually the opposite that we just need to stop and then calm ourselves down because everything that follows is going to be more efficient yes we're going to be able to accomplish more and enjoy it more if we're calm and I say this to someone who works on it every single day of my life <laughs> yep <laughs> some of us are just more reactive I mean, with babies, they have studies. The book Quiet, Susan Cain talks about this, that just some babies are more reactive to stimuli. And we just, that's how our nervous systems are wired. We can train them to calm down a little bit. But it's its a its a harder road. Right. <laughs> My therapist had this great quote that she shared from Khalil Gibran, from The Prophet, that your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. So yeah, it is painful as all these like delusions and attachments and all the things that are challenges for us kind of fall away. And then it is vulnerable to have our true self exposed, but that's where connection is built. That's where Mm -hmm. authenticity and true contentment are. And it's growing pains is what is what right. it is. Right. And then it doesn't seem so, I don't know, without sense. You know, it feels like there's a purpose to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the tolerance we have for discomfort, you know, not abuse. That's definitely no, a different thing. No. But not yeah, all but pain like, is good. I mean, we don't exactly. welcome it. But. <laughs> but like assuming we're, you know, physically and emotionally healthy and safe, then we can practice pushing outside by choice our comfort zone into our learning growth zone not so far we get into the panic zone but like we can just a little by little inch Mm -hmm. uh, farther so our comfort zone grows and then we can just let those emotions be there my coach talks about that we're sort of hybrid vehicles with emotion that even if we have fear or shame we can notice that and then with our thoughts shift into adding willingness Mm -hmm. or determination and so like i can be persistent i can do this scared that helps us just have this hybrid fuel that can then power us into doing the action that we want to do. Love it. Yeah. Well, for our listener takeaways, here are some steps to practice feeling the feels with more intention and granularity so you can have a more fulfilling experience of your life and relationships. So number one, use a practice like RAIN to tune into your emotions with mindfulness and compassion. We touched on this in our episode, Dodging the Second Arrow, which we'll link to in the show notes. But RAIN is a practice from psychologist, author, and meditation teacher Tara Brock. The idea is to wake up from what she calls trance, the trance of unworthiness or being separate from everyone and alone, and to accept reality without fighting it. And it's a reliable lifeline. That's something that when we're in trance or just, you know, spun out in fight or flight or freeze, it's really hard to access those tools. But this one has become a reliable one for me and has helped so much. And she's taught it to thousands of people. It stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. And so the overview is recognize what's going on. So you can close your eyes, take deep breaths and settle into the space. Then you observe the sensations in your body and note what's going on there. Just like what's happening in my body. You'll notice some, you know, maybe tingling or tightness in your chest, tension, sometimes in your jaw, kind of usually from the head down to through the torso is where we tend to hold a lot of that tension and anxiety. You can name what's going on if you know the name of it. And then you allow the experience to be there. Just open up space for it without trying to avoid it or fix it or judge it, getting swept away by it, and ask, can I be with this or can I let it be? And you can allow it by also saying, this belongs or this too, 
and just welcome it. Let it rest in your body. Make space for it. That's the allow, the A. And then the I is investigate with interest and care, curiosity and compassion. You can ask questions to yourself to start unpacking your emotions. Like, what is behind this emotion? What am I believing when I'm in this emotion? What is it telling me? What does this part of me need to hear? And then you can nurture. That's the end with self-compassion. You can say a soothing or supportive message to yourself. It often helps if you put your hand on your heart and say out loud, you know, I care about the suffering. Or just like, you're doing great. Or I'm sorry you're hurting. I can see you're suffering and I'm here. Just really kind words for yourself. And just sit with that after the rain is what Tarbrock calls this. So you just sit and notice the quality of your own presence and rest in that wakeful and tender space of awareness, which is really your true self, that food of nature, the wisdom within. And know that you always have that. You have access to that. If you practice, if you, you know, drop into your body, if you get still and quiet, it's always there. Yeah, so you've been practicing this every day? I have, yeah. And definitely weekdays, some weekends, really, even just when, you know, the other day when I was cocooning in my bed, practicing it there, my mind gets distracted a lot still, and then I just bring it back. I'm like, okay, what step were you on? And Mm -hmm. Tara Brock has meditation. That's what I use in the mornings now. She has a bunch of different ones ranging from like nine minutes to 20 minutes, and uh, she guides you through these steps, and it's a little variations on it each time and one of them she has you and I think investigate just take the posture of the emotion you're feeling Mm. so for me shame is a pretty common one and so I'll kind of like hunch my shoulders over and kind of like clench you know like arms wrapped around me Mm -hmm. protectively and then when you nurture you kind of open up and your heart is open you can kind of loosen your arms and so it's like a hug yeah it's really wonderful I highly recommend it Yes, I, I really want to try that. Maybe I'll try one of her guided meditations as a starting point. Yeah, yeah, and we'll link to one as well. I've been recommending this to my clients and walking them through some of this, and they've had breakthroughs. I mean, already just it releases a lot of, because you kind of get in touch with that wounded part, whatever is most active in you. And often it is shame for people who struggle with perfectionism and self-loathing and really hard on themselves. And so just tending to that wounded part of you is a different thing than we usually do, which is to be rated and judge ourselves mm-hmm. and just like beat ourselves up more. Right. Kick which, ourselves when we're down. Oh uh, yeah. Really helpful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Takeaway number two is expand your emotional vocabulary to define your experience and not get swept away by it. Being able to identify and describe your emotions more precisely can improve your emotional and physical health, as we discussed earlier. And Lisa Feldman Barrett, the emotional granularity researcher, writes, You probably never thought about learning words as a path to greater emotional health, but it follows directly from the neuroscience of construction. Words seed your concepts. Concepts drive your predictions. Predictions regulate your body budget, which is how your brain anticipates and fulfills your body's energy needs. And your body budget determines how you feel. So when you're naming your emotions, practice pushing beyond general terms to get more specific. If you're feeling upset, what emotion is behind it? Frustration, betrayal, resentment, disgust. If you're in a great mood, what feelings are you experiencing? Happiness, belonging, amusement, curiosity. And we mentioned Brene Brown's most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, which is wonderful. We highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It explores 87 emotions and experiences divided into categories such as places we go when things don't go as planned, places we go when life is good, and places we go when we search for connection. I recommend you read the book, but you can also download a free PDF of all of the emotions she talks about, which we'll link to in the show notes. And you can also print out an emotions wheel, like we discussed earlier, the one Malia has on a pillow, um, <laughs> which which I would love every household to have. That seems brilliant. Um, so you can consult it when you want to help tuning into your feelings. And we'll also link to an emotions wheel online in the show notes. Yeah, I wish I could just sleep on that pillow and absorb all of those <laughs> emotional names by all osmosis. The <laughs> exactly. Another takeaway, express your emotions regularly and intentionally. So you can share them vulnerably as you're learning just how to describe what's going on in your body and the name with a trusted loved one. Make sure it is someone you trust. Uh, This builds connection and shame resilience, reduces stress and anxiety. 
in moments of stress, you name the emotion out loud and say, I'm feeling a lot of stress right now, even to yourself or to the people around you. You can use outlets to release painful emotions from your body, movement, dance or walking, swimming, whatever works for you, journaling, art, music. And again, as you recognize the different emotions you're feeling, you can pick the thing and experiment to see which one works best to soothe you. And another takeaway is get curious about the story you're telling yourself. Another tool from Brene Brown that we've both found really helpful is the phrase, the story I'm making up. So Mm -hmm. for example, the story I'm making up is that you don't think my work is as important as yours because you worked late and I had to leave to pick up the kids. Or (laughs) the story I'm telling myself is my friend is mad at me because I texted her something important and she never responded. So, you know, these stories we tell ourselves um, can kind of spin out of control. And maybe, you know, your friend had a busy day at work and she hasn't gotten back to your text or, you know, your husband or your partner probably doesn't devalue your work. But that's the the narrative. Yes. Yeah. You can think of like when you are texting with someone and then there's like three, the three little dots that are responding. Yeah. And then it just goes silent. (laughs) Then like that's the moment the story's Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's the worst. (laughs) So Brene Brown writes, storytelling helps us impose order on chaos, including emotional chaos. When we're in pain, we create a narrative to help us make sense of it. The story doesn't have to be based on any real information. One dismissive glance from a coworker can instantly turn into, I knew she didn't like me. I relate to very much. Relatable, yeah. (laughs) How dare she? How dare she? (laughs) So before getting carried away with your story, get curious and ask yourself questions about the narrative. What's the story I'm making up? What am I feeling? What are the facts? What are my beliefs or assumptions? What do I need to know about other people involved? What part did I play? Write down your answers and reflect on them without judgment. Lastly, tell yourself a better story. So what story, once you figure out which one you're telling yourself, what story would serve you better? Because you get to decide. And that mantra has been helpful to me and and Jill and several of Mm -hmm. my clients. I get to decide. You can generate different emotions in your body by choosing different thoughts about the situation. And a helpful question is like, okay, how do I want to feel about the situation or in this situation? What thoughts do I need to think? So if you want to feel calm, you might think, oh, yes, she I know she's got a lot going on right now. So she hasn't responded. And and with the three dots, you're just like, oh, I'm sure she just got interrupted. Right. She's <laughs> not mad at me. I didn't offend her. She's still my friend. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't cut me off forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very extreme scenarios can happen <laughs> yes. in our heads. <laughs> yes. And it's empowering to think, you know, I get to decide. It's not like you're just being swept away unconsciously by your emotions that you have some control. Yeah, absolutely. It builds self-trust and self-knowledge and the confidence that even if it you know, goes the way that you don't want it to, you can decide yes. again to do something different. Yes. Well, now it's time for Get It Together, Got It Together, a segment where we share something we'd like to work on and something that's going well for us right now. So Malia, would you like to start? Sure. So my get it together is the many emotional highs and lows of the moving process that's that's happening very quickly. (laughs) Yes. And it is really great. We're talking about this and thinking about just all the mixed emotions because it is so wild just Mm -hmm. to have the bittersweetness and, you know, the excitement and the novelty and just mom and dad will be there eventually and living in the same place and you'll be closer and we'll get to go visit you. You'll come visit us. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be wonderful. And I'm also heartbroken to leave our friends here here and like we've been here for so many years I mean the kids they were born here and and I've been here since January 2009 Mm -hmm. um so like 13 years 13 and a half yeah so anyway just trying to stay uh, in self as um you know therapy would say is just like my true wiser self and just kind of let those emotions come and go and then Darren and I have done a good job lately of staying on the same team because like when we both are stressed of course we're not our best selves Mm -hmm. and can just get reactive and just like uh, careless I guess with each other and we've been especially as the kids are also like the transition back to school they already went to their school here and then they're gonna you know we told them they were moving they'll need to start a new school and it's just a lot (laughs) everyone's sort of heightened emotionally and so um yeah just some days I 
fly off the handle and yell and I'm Avery's been tantruming still and so I really have to just like calm my body down and then go and give her a hug no matter if she's like trying to kick at me or saying mean things to me and I know that she's just hurting and doesn't have the language or the skills to express it so yeah, I try to turn this get it together into a got it together <laughs> on a daily. And, uh, and I mean, this is very understandable. This is just such an emotional thing. And you guys have been in Jackson for so long. And yeah. there's a lot tied up in that, even though you're excited about the new place and the new opportunities. But I I get so sad every time we move, you know, it's... Yeah, you've done it a lot, huh? Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's a little simpler in that we, we don't have children or pets or, you know, some of the logistics are simpler, but those emotional pieces are really difficult, you know, like yeah, I know. saying goodbye to friends. And even though, because we've done it so much, I know that on the other side, the next chapter starts. And if we hadn't moved from Hawaii to Italy, we wouldn't have met our friends there. Or, you know, if I hadn't moved from Sonoma to New Orleans, I wouldn't have met all of our people there, including, you know, Brian and Darren. So I know this, but I also, we just had some friends, dear friends we met in Hawaii who were visiting with their kids. And we were talking about how when we left Hawaii, I was inconsolable. Like we had to, we had dinner with them the last night before we left. And I was just sobbing, like (laughs) we were all crying and it was so sad, you know, because I knew we we got to see them every single day and I knew that would change. But, but, you know, it's now been what, 12 years or something. And we've gotten to see them all over the world and we've stayed in Mm. touch. And that, that part encourages me that you, your relationships will change, but you will still be able to be close with these people and you'll still have that yeah. connection. Absolutely. It just takes a different shape. It does. Yeah, that's how I felt when my dear friend Catherine moved to her native Newfoundland um, from Jackson. And I was just heartbroken. I was inconsolable for that <laughs> um, when we say goodbye to each other. But yeah, I made a post just about that, just that, you know, just like our relationship had changed, you know, from the time we met and didn't have children to then we did and then Mm -hmm. they moved to a you know a nearby town that was a little farther away but each time we just found ways to relate to each other differently to hang out differently and we stayed in touch so I know I know that's going to be the case for our dear ones here yeah so that's uh it's a lot for it was a long get it together. No, um, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to hijack your get together, but I feel no. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate I your perspective it. on that. I really do, and just you make such a good point that that it really does open the door for you know new relationships and experiences. And I know that you know even being outside more because of the weather yeah. and all the different places and nature we can go. That's something I've really wanted for the kids. And here they they're on screens a lot. The weather is pretty extreme here, and then also there's not just that sort of neighborhood where. There's some kids like that roam around, you know, with their siblings and stuff, but like not like we had you and I when we were kids. I know it was the 80s, but this neighborhood is like very safe. There's not a lot of traffic, like car traffic, and I think they can ride bikes and stuff. And at least I'll make them. I'll turn off their screen so they have no other option. (laughs) Exactly. Old school. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. My coach says to her kids, go live your lives. (laughs) And then she like throws them outside. That's wonderful. (laughs) I love it. My got it together is doing the rain practice every day. Really, it has helped so much. And it's just an anchor in the morning for me to ground myself because I wake up anxious. It's just a lot of the days I just wake up anxious. And I'm I'm not sure why. I mean, there's a lot going on. But sometimes it's like I can't really identify anything I'm worried about consciously. So just getting that anxiety to kind of settle and realize that I am safe and having that consistent, you know, more or less consistent practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it really out of all the practices I've done at least recently it's been really really wonderful and then I think changing up the novelty of the different ways Tara Brock does her guided meditation has been good too so it's not the same exact thing every day that's awesome I I'm going to steal that one from you and try it by the time we record our next episode (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and then watch your BPM on your yes I will (laughs) well what's your get it together got it together Jill my get it together is I just feel like a lot of things are falling through the cracks, you know, just <laughs> ugh, unanswered emails. I mean, that's months in the making <laughs> and <laughs> suitcases. You have a good excuse. I, do, I think but still, I'm like, I want to respond to them. And I, you know, I keep intending to do a few per week or whatever and don't. And the suitcases are not unpacked and they probably won't be. I think we'll do we'll do that this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But just, you know clean laundry piling up on the guest room bed and all these things. It just feels like, ugh, there's so many things that I'm not doing 
but I'm also <laughs> trying to be compassionate. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. I'm going to send you, if I haven't already, the wall of wounds. Did I send you that handout? That oh, worksheet that Darian designed? I remember you talking about it. I'm not okay. sure if you've seen it. Yeah, please do. I will. And I'll post in the show notes too, because this is one of the, I think the best tools that I've used with my clients, just writing down your wins. And this is a printout you can put on your wall. I mean, literally on your fridge, write down all your little tiny victories, every single one, especially on the days you feel like there aren't any. Yes, yes, exactly. That's, that's very good, because there's always something, even if it's a small Mm -hmm. thing. Totally. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of an ongoing thing. But you know, whatever um we'll... yeah and just be kind to yourself yes. I think if and if they, we could give you any gift it's just to release yourself from any sense of obligation or expectation <laughs> right. and just work you know just like heal you know just yeah. work, focus on your own resting and and health yes yes and my got it together is that this is the first week in a while that's felt kind of like close to normal or before times you know I've um mm. I've been working since the diagnosis but not like really up to full speed but this week I've had a lot of client work going on we also had a, a friend's birthday party earlier this week where we got to see some friends we hadn't seen in forever I finally ordered from the CSA for the first time in like a month or something so we got <laughs> some really good veggies that we've been cooking and eating and it's been it's been a lot going on but it's again been nice to have some of those like welcome distractions as I'm gearing up for my next CT scan and I'm like feeling yeah. all worried about that so it's it's kind of nice to have a bit of normalcy and like a, a busy schedule right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I'm really glad you had those moments of joy lots of dopamine yes yes I'm so glad you're feeling well enough to do those things that's a blessing yes well that is all for this episode of semi together do you have a hard time feeling the feels? What gets in your way and what helps you? Tell us at podcast at semitogether.com or send us a voice memo. And if you're an adult with ADHD, I would love to coach you through your emotions and the RAIN practice. You can set up a free discovery call at risingspiralcoaching.com. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for listening to Semi Together. And take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. Okay. My goodness. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We did it. I feel all over the place today, but... Oh my gosh, me too. I always just deep dive into the research and I'm like writing down like, in 1960, this guy <laughs> traveled to Papua New Guinea. Oh, I feel you. I know. Definitely. I have to rein myself in because it's so interesting and I want to include it I all. I know. But... Share it. Info dumping is a love language of ADHDers. This is something I saw going by. This uh, feels very true to my experience. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, I'll just like burst in at you know, 9 p.m. and be like, just download on Darren something I was just reading without asking his permission or gauging his interest. Like, are you ready to hear a whole research paper on this thing that I'm very interested in right now? Because what if he says no, then I'm still going to do it. Cool. You don't know how cool this is yet, though. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> no, <exactly. laughs> Wait for it. <laughs>